Moving house. With kids. Mum! Moving house checklist. Top packing tips. Do it ourselves or hire movers? Hiya! <sighs> Things to do in the school holidays. Best solo holidays. <sighs> when life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Rob Lilly, sitting in for Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. I actually think it'd be easier to talk about what's not going up this month, because essentially everything's going up. So energy is a really interesting one this month, because while in practice the tariffs that you pay will be staying the same, you will still feel an increase in how much you're paying. It's not a tax rise on paper, but you're still going to see more of your salary paid out. This week on the podcast, we're discussing why April could see your monthly outgoings on the rise. With hikes scheduled across many areas, including tax, mobile and broadband, and changes happening in the energy market too, there's plenty to talk about. Now, to do so, I'm joined by witch journalists Danielle Richardson and Grace Witherden. Hello, both. Hello. Hi. Now, it's great to have you both here. I should also say I'll be chatting to Witch Energy Editor Emily Seymour later on too, so keep listening for that. And one final bit of housekeeping too. Next week, keep an eye out on the money feed for a special episode of our Witch Investigates podcast too. That'll take the place of a regular money podcast episode, but fear not, because it's definitely one worth checking out, especially if, like me, you're a Eurovision fan. So stay tuned for that next week. Now, though, let's start with a question to you, Grace. Before we drill into the details, can you summarise for us some of the price rises that we're expecting to see this month? You know, I actually think it'd be easier to talk about what's not going up this month, um, because essentially everything's going up. Um, Councils, most council tax are pushing up 5%, and some are even going up 15%, which we'll touch on later. Um, at your energy bills, you'll probably notice an increase in those because of the end of the energy price support scheme. And we're also seeing um, broadband and mobile price increases, um, which usually happen around April each year. Um, so basically, if you're checking your, your bank account, you may notice that you've got less money left at the end of this month. Yeah. So as you said there, depressingly, lots to talk about on today's episode. Danielle, as Grace mentioned there, one of the biggest outgoings that's set to get even bigger relates to the amount that we'll be paying in tax. Now, can you start by discussing what's happening with our personal tax allowances? Because even though this might not look like a rise in practice, chances are we might end up paying more. One thing to note is that the the personal allowance is sticking at £12,570 for this year. Um, This is how much you can earn before you start paying income tax and actually national insurance. It's been the same for a couple of years. It's set to stay the same uh, for another couple of years too. So while the tax rates aren't rising, the fact that this hasn't moved will mean that anyone who's received any kind of salary increase will end up paying more tax because essentially a bigger chunk of your salary will be over the threshold. Um, And that's something that wouldn't be as much of a problem if the allowance increased every year as it used to. Um, Similarly, uh, the higher rate of tax, um, the threshold is staying at £50,270. And that has the same problem. You're going to get 
more and more people sort of pulled into the higher rate um, tax threshold, which means their tax bills are going to go up. Um, and then at the upper end of the pay scale, uh, the additional rate of tax, um, that threshold has been brought down to £125,140. Uh, that's down from £150,000 um, in the previous tax year. With the tax bans where the, the threshold is staying the same, this presumably is why some people will refer to that as a bit of a bit of a stealth tax, because it's not a rise, is it? Like you said, things are staying the same, but we will still be potentially getting less each month. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not a tax rise on paper, but you're still going to see more of your salary paid out. And also, can we get a quick word on capital gains tax as well? So what is it and what's happening? Sure. So capital gains tax um, is the tax you pay when you sell a valuable asset. So that could be something like shares or if you've got some antiques or fine art um, or if you're selling a property that you don't live in. Um, And the main thing to note for this year is the tax free allowance. So the the amount of profit that you can earn from selling any of these things before you pay tax, there's been a massive cut to that. So you can now earn £6,000 tax free, but that's down from £12,300 previously. Wow, so more than 50% less. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge cut. Well, we'll discuss some of the things that you can do to perhaps lower some of these tax bills a little bit later on. But next up, Grace mentioned it at the top of the show, something we discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, council tax. As we heard, we're expecting increases up and down the country here, aren't we? Yeah, um, I imagine most people have had their um, council tax bills through the post for this year. And when we had a look at the data for all of the local authorities in England and Wales, um, we found that basically everyone's bills are going up even in the very few cases where the local authority itself was freezing its council tax rates, bills are still more expensive, um, kind of due to the other things that are included in your bill. So if you're living in London, for example, you also have the Greater London Authority charge added in with your council tax bill. Um, So yeah, there were, in some cases, there were some massive increases. Um, I think Croydon had the the biggest... uh, rise which was um around 13 percent and that's just because that that council's under special measures so could increase council tax bills by more than the usual five percent for this year so as i mentioned we will get on to some of the things you can potentially do to try and lower your tax bill a little bit later on but grace can i bring you back in here i know you've been looking at some of the other price rises that we're seeing this month and some of them really are pretty steep increases You mentioned them at the start, and I mentioned them as well, that both broadband and mobile bills, they're definitely on the up. That's something that I saw when I got my bill through just the other day. Yeah, and you know what? This one is so cheeky, um, because I'm not sure a lot of people know about these kind of yearly in-contract rises that can happen. Um, So basically, broadband um, and mobile providers both typically raise their prices each year in line with inflation, and they might chuck on an extra you know, three or three point nine percent, which in a in a time of high inflation, um, which we're in, is actually re- like quite a lot of money, more so than previous years. Customers with O2 Virgin Mobile face the biggest rises, um, some as high as seventeen point three percent, and EE Free and Vodafone are increasing prices by 14.4 percent. That's the Consumer Prices Index inflation rate, um, which was 
published in January, plus 3.9%. And actually, the only mobile provider not raising prices, other than those exclusively offering rolling SIM-only contracts, is Sky Mobile. Um, so I'm with O2, and I had a look at mine the other day because I actually did get an email about this. Um, if, if, you have, if you don't know if yours is going up, mine actually was sent in February. And it had to say whether or not I was a customer before um, January 2021. Um, and because I was, it actually meant that my bill was just going up by RPI, which was still high, um, but it didn't it didn't have the additional amount on. Um, but I assumed customers, but after that date, would be going up by RPI plus three percent. And can we talk about broadband as well? Because I think it's a it's a fairly similar picture here as well, isn't it? So basically, with these providers, um, so the BT Group. Now this includes BT, EE, and Plusnet. Um, they confirmed that prices would increase by more than fourteen percent from the thirty first of March, and that will add an average. Um, well, it will add an extra sixty six pounds to the average annual bill. Um, Virgin will increase prices on average by 13.8%, um, either from the 1st of April or the 1st of May, depending on your package. Um, unlike other providers, its contracts don't currently factor in rises, so customers are able to switch without paying exit fees, although that will end in April 2024. Um, so with this one, it's some will, some won't, but back to the the point I was saying before, like it's really important that you check check the contract before you take it out because then you'll then you'll know from the outset whether it whether it is or isn't. Yeah, are there any ways that we can avoid inflation? Or are these rises, like you said there, are they always going to be in the small print and, and the T's and C's of our contracts? So if you're out of contract, you're actually free to shop around and find a better deal. A lot of people might not know they're out of contract because it might be that they originally had a one year contract and it's just moved on to like a rolling contract. Um, so, you you know, as far as you're concerned, you're still paying the same amount, but you are actually out of contract. So you are able to shop around. The other thing is when you get your you know, your bill, it could be worth haggling. I, you know, I read like lots of stuff on social media and like Facebook groups of people saying, oh, you know, I was told they're pushing up my bill by this much. I rang them up and I haggled and I got, you know, a discount. It, so it might be that you'll get a discount just by ringing them up and speaking to them to about it. Now, if you're mid-contract, um, you may have to pay an exit fee to leave this um, or you can ask your provider what support it can offer um so it's definitely it's always worth speaking to the provider especially if you're worried that you can't afford these price rises i do think that this is definitely something that you need to keep an eye on when you take out like a 24 or 36 month contract because it might be that the price you're actually seeing right at the beginning is not going to be the price you end up paying and I think that's why when I was trying to sort out my, my broadband from my flat I did go over one year because I don't know how long we're going to be here I don't know you know what the what a new place might have um, in terms of coverage which is always like a good thing when renting to be flexible one last tip actually particularly for like mobile packages it's like do you need all that package so I don't have a bad contract I had a look at mine I have 100 gigabytes I have three minutes um free text messages and I pay 20 pounds a month obviously that's going up slightly and I think that's a good deal I can also roam freely um in Europe and some other countries like Australia and America like using my data which for me that was really important and O2 are one of the few companies that aren't actually going to charge for roaming 
Um, so see what's important to you. But I did have a look at my bill last night and I'd only used 10 gigabytes last night. Uh, sorry, last month. So I think that that does show that I have 100 but I'm only using 10. So I probably could go down to a lower amount of data. Um, so that's just bear, one thing to think about. Obviously, I like the other perks that include like date free, you know, use of data abroad. But I mean, realistically, I don't spend all my all my year abroad. Like I go on like one or two holidays a year. So I definitely think like if you're coming to the end of your contract, it could be worth like reevaluating like what you use. Yeah, it was interesting. You were, I know you slept up there and you said that you used 10 gigabytes last night rather than last month. But you mentioned, <laughs> you know, you get 100 gig of data. I've got a friend who I think has 50 gig of data a month and the other month they went over their limit and I'm not sure what they were doing. I'm not sure how you not sure how you wow. go over 50 gigs worth of data. Maybe downloading a lot of films. That, that's, they, see, they're just only saving money by not having broadband. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. Grace, if we move on, can we look at another area as well? It's one that's well publicised. Technically not an April price rise, but I am talking about rail fares here. So, Grace, if you take us back to last month then, how much more could we be paying, you know, whether that's on a commute or indeed any other journeys that we have to take? So regulated rail fares in England went up 5.9% in the beginning of March. And I've already noticed that. I don't know about other people, but so obviously when I say regulated rail fares, that includes, that's about 45% of all journeys and it includes season tickets, most commuter journeys, some off peak return tickets on long distance journeys and anytime tickets around major cities. So I live in London, I commute to my office and I think before my, you know, my daily amount was seven pounds and now I'm paying nine pounds for like a day in. Um, so I know I haven't already noticed that. And so I think other people may have started noticing these small increases. You might not notice it if you've got a season ticket, because it might be that you bought that season ticket before they went up, in which case, you know, you did lock in that price. But at some point this year, you're probably going to have to renew it. And then you will notice that it, it's definitely increased. And are there any ways again here that we can pay less? There's definitely a few ways. It depends what kind of suits your situation. Um, so I always talk about rail cards, but actually, if they work for you, um, they're really good. They cost no more than £30 a year and you save a third on off-peak journey. So there's nine different cards available um, with discounts varying from a third to 50% off. Some of them are more tailored uh, to younger people, um, like people under the age of 30. But there are other ones that you that could be suitable, like a two together. So if you and a friend or you and a partner have got like a long trip coming up, then it's definitely worth getting one because you may end up saving more just um with having bought the rail card than you would then you will on that one journey there are also other hacks we often talk about split ticketing um so there are sort of websites set up where you can type in your start and end destination and it will split the journey for you and you don't have to get off the train you stay on the you stay on the same journey it just splits up these tickets because it found that this is actually cheaper so when i updated our uh, guard we have like a guide on how to find cheap tickets which you can find on our witch website when i updated this last month um i found that you could save 66 percent um on the cost of a journey from ipswich to sheffield and that's by splitting at peterborough and doncaster so again you don't have to work this out you can't there are websites up for this so it's actually a really easy hack to do and it's worth looking at before you travel and this is something i did quite recently so the amount you can save just actually booking advance is 
advanced singles is a lot of money. So me and my sister have a trip to Liverpool coming up. And uh, I think that any time return for that was a staggering amount. But we knew that we could get advanced singles for each leg of the journey. So in the end, we ended up paying like, you know, um, 40 pounds for two of us one way, 40 pounds for two of us on the way back. Um, you know, that's 40 pounds for like a return to Liverpool. And I think that any time return is like some, you know, can sometimes be like 250 pounds if you bought that on the day. And there are hacks that you can do for that. So if there's no advanced singles off for sale yet, you can set up alert. So you'll get an email as soon as they go on sale. Um, and I actually did this advanced single the other month to Portsmouth. So even though I was literally going in three days time, um, there were still there were still some advanced singles on sale. And to get those two tickets was actually a lot cheaper than getting the open return. So it's definitely worth having a look before you book it because don't just like, in some cases, if you're late to the party and they're all sold out, that's the price. But I think some advanced planning can like save you quite a lot of money. Honestly, Grace, next time I need to get a train ticket, I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, the guides there, I, date, I literally spent my afternoon updating this. So it has, we've got loads of other tips in there as well, which is worth a look. Well, I will make sure I'll put a link to that guide in the description for today's podcast. So make sure you check that out if you want to find out more about what Grace was talking about there. And also, Grace, just finally, I mean, you could travel another way, could you? What about the bus? Yeah, actually, it's good. that's a good point because currently uh, most most both bus routes are capped at £2 a trip to the end of June. So that's part of a government scheme that they're doing right now. Um, and obviously, it's not return. It's, it's a single, but it would mean that you could potentially pay £4 for your whole trip. And usually it might be that the fare is like seven or eight quid, like bus fares are very expensive in this country. So definitely take advantage of that of that £2 deal at the minute. Um, you could also look at a coach. I ended up look, uh, doing some price comparisons with coaches the other day to Manchester um, for one of the stories we're working on. And yeah, I know you have to sit on a, on a coach and, and it might not be um, as quick as the, tr- as the train, Um, but it will certainly get you from A to B and it could be a lot cheaper. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Grace. That is all really, really useful info. Now, we'll be back with Danielle shortly to discuss how we might be able to reduce our tax bill. But now I want to talk about energy. I want to bring in our energy editor here at Witch, Emily Seymour now, and we caught up a little bit earlier on this week. Now, Emily, of course, as ever, all eyes on energy and that's no different of course we've already heard in this podcast loads of changes going on now that we're into april loads of unfortunately price hikes but what's happening with energy is energy the same as everything else are we expecting that to to go up as well so energy is a really interesting one this month um because while in practice the tariffs that you pay will be staying the same you will still feel an increase in how much you're paying so to explain that we have to go back to a couple of weeks ago when the government had been planning on increasing everybody's energy tariffs by 20 percent um and in the spring budget that was announced in march that was um taken back so we're not doing that anymore everybody will still be on the same tariffs that you have been on since october assuming you're paying um for the standard variable tariff or the default tariff with your provider which we know that most people are because there's really very few people left on fixed energy deals um now 
despite the fact that people's tariffs are staying the same, um, there was through winter this £67 a month, £400 in total, which was an extra bit of financial support called the Energy Bill Support Scheme that was given out by the government, but through our energy providers. And most people had that either credited into their energy account um, or returned to their bank account by their energy provider some people who are on prepayment meters will have been given vouchers that they needed to cash in for those now that has stopped now and the last payment would have been in march so to all intents and purposes people in their april bills will feel that they're 67 pounds more expensive um, even though the prices have stayed the same emily thank you so much for explaining that for us it's really really interesting and really good to to kind of drill down into what exactly is happening. I want to come back to what you mentioned first. I know you, you mentioned the the kind of the energy bill support scheme, but before that, can we talk more about the, the energy price guarantee? Because as you said there, prices aren't going to be going up when they were expected to, but that's only going to last until, is it July at the moment? Yes, that's right. So at the moment, people's energy tariffs, um, that is the amount that you pay for every unit of electricity and gas, um, is set by the energy price guarantee. Now, that was brought in by the government last um, autumn to supersede the Ofgem price cap. Ofgem is the energy regulator, and they ordinarily set a cap on each unit rate for electricity and gas for how much suppliers can charge their domestic customers. Now, because wholesale prices are so astronomical, um, the the whole sort of global energy crisis that's been going on, the off-gem cap is still in existence, but the the prices are incredibly high right now. And so the energy price guarantee, which is this government scheme, um, is bringing those prices down for everybody. Now, that's happening completely behind the scenes. You won't probably see it. Your provider might mention it on your bill, but it's nothing that you have to get involved in or or do anything to to receive that. That's going to every single um, domestic energy bill. And essentially, the government is paying the difference between their price guarantee and what the prices actually are that the that the off-gem price cap would have set. But that being said, there are strong predictions and, and the understanding in the energy market is that by the time we get to July, that off-gem cap will actually be coming back down below the, the government's rates. So what will happen in effect is the off-gem price cap will be announced in June Provided that those numbers are lower than what the government is currently um, suggesting, then we'll all switch back to the off-gem cap. The government won't have to um, subsidise our bills and we'll just be paying our providers as normal. Now, I wouldn't get too excited about that because while the prices will come down, they're not predicted to drop incredibly far um i think the average sort of typical household that that is used as the the illustrative figure is suggested to pay around two thousand pounds a year um from july at the moment they're on two thousand five hundred pounds so it's it's certainly a, a drop um but prices will still be higher than what we what we were used to in kind of previous years um but they will be lower and the government won't be having to pay for them, um, which does feel like some light at the end of the tunnel, finally. Yeah, there is a little bit of uh, of optimism in there, even though those bills still will remain extremely high, just a little bit lower than, than what we have been paying previously for, for a lot of people. 
In the meantime then, Emily, what are the things that we can be doing that can potentially help bring down our, our energy bills to, to try and take back some of that extra money that we're, uh, we're paying out every month on our bills? So our advice is to try to make sure you're paying by direct debit, if at all possible. Um, For almost all customers, that will be the cheapest way to pay for energy through your energy provider. For many people, your direct debit payments will have been calculated perhaps last summer, last spring, last autumn, at a time when your energy provider would have used your kind of average usage figures from the year prior so if you've spent this winter being really, really careful with your with your energy, with your gas, keeping your house really lower temperatures than you would have liked, um, all that kind of stuff, then it's very possible that your energy provider will have overestimated how much gas you will have used. And therefore, your direct debit payments will have been coming in and perhaps filling up your credit balance higher than than you would like. So if that's the case, then I would certainly suggest getting in touch with your provider, having a chat through what your direct debit payments are monthly, how much credit is in your account, how much balance you've got, and whether or not there's a there's an argument to bring your monthly payments down now that we're coming into the summer and everybody will be using less energy because we won't be using as much gas. So definitely check in on your direct debit payments to see if they're as low as they should be. Make sure you submit frequent meter readings. That means you're only ever paying for what you've actually used um, and the kind of estimated figures are, are not uh, in, in the mix. If you have a smart meter, then that should be happening automatically. But don't kind of assume that that's the case. I think it's really important for, you know, we've heard lots of stories of people's smart meters malfunctioning. Um, so I think it's always worth keeping an eye on your energy bills, making sure that things look as they should readings are being submitted as they should be and all that kind of thing. So you don't get hit with any surprises. Then in terms of your home itself and your own energy efficiency, um, the more that you can do to make sure that your home is using as little energy as possible, the better, not least for your current bills, but also just as a kind of long term future proofing um, thing to do to make sure that you're not using more energy than you need to be. So the big ones for that are heat loss during the winter so anything that you can do on insulation draft proofing kind of making sure your water tank if you've got one is insulated pipe lagging any way that you can make sure that as little heat is being lost from your home over winter as possible while obviously maintaining kind of good ventilation um, and avoiding any kind of issues that would come with completely sealing your home you don't need it you don't want it to be a vacuum um, but you do need it to be nice and nice and um, heat kind of tight all really useful information Emily thank you as ever for joining us here on the money podcast really really appreciate it thanks very much for having me As I said at the end of our chat there, a huge thank you to Emily for joining us. And I should add as well that it's always worth checking if you're eligible for support with your energy bills. And I'll pop another link to the government's dashboard for all available help in the show notes for today's episode. Finally then, Danielle, come back because we're returning to tax. And we've heard about how our bills might be rising, but are the ways that we might be able to reduce the amount that we do actually end up paying we talked about all sorts of different forms of tax at the start of the episode what about our own personal tax bill can we bring that down there are there are lots of things you can do um they all kind of depend on your personal circumstances 
But one one thing that kind of applies to everyone, really, um, you can try saving and investing using ISAs um, because usually uh, savings interest and investment growth, that's that's you know, they're both taxable um, unless the money is held in an ISA. So it's a really easy way to cut down your tax bill or just, you know, reduce the chances of having to pay tax in the future. Um, so that can be as simple as opening a tax. Um, so that can be as simple as opening a cash ISA. Um, everyone's ISA allowance is just renewed for this new tax year. So you can pay in up to £20,000 um, either all in one account or in different types of ISAs for this year. So that's definitely something worth thinking about. Um, it can also be worth making the most of the tax relief you get when you make pension contributions. So, for example, uh, for most workplace pensions, they'll take your pension payments out of your salary before you pay tax. So then there's less money for you to be taxed on afterwards. And you're also boosting your retirement savings at the same time, which is kind of a win win. Um, so they're, they're just a couple of ideas. We've, we've got a guide online with 35 ways to save on your tax bill. So it's definitely worth having a read and just picking and choosing the ones that you can use. And lastly, then, Danielle, what about council tax? What are the options available here? Sure. So it is it is possible to cut this bill, but it's a little bit trickier and only certain people are going to be able to do it. Um, essentially, you're going to need to check whether your circumstances mean you can get a discount or whether your home has been put into the wrong council tax band. Um, so looking at discounts, you know, people can get a 25% discount, say, if you live alone or if you live with someone that is uh they call it disregarded for council tax purposes. So that could be like full-time student, for example. Students don't have to pay council tax. So if it's just you living with a student, you're essentially classed as living alone, essentially. Um, so if you think that you're eligible um, for something like that, you'll just need to contact your local council and explain why you think you should get a discount because it doesn't get added automatically so you will need to be kind of proactive and that that can really pay off um and then if you want to look at the council tax band um option you can apply to have this reassessed but you do have to have a reason for thinking that you're in the wrong council tax band so there is a little bit of work to do in putting a case together and um, it might be you need to scope out what council tax band your neighbours are in if they're if they're in the same sort of size house as you stuff like that maybe find out the history of the building did it used to be one big building as and has been made into flats since um so yeah that's a little bit more work but that being said every single year thousands of people successfully managed to get their council tax band changed into a lower band so that means from then on you have cheaper council tax bills and you get a refund of all the council tax you've already overpaid, which is great. But <laughs> I do need to point out that some people as well, you know, they might be hoping to go in a lower council tax band and end up in a higher one, um, which means the opposite happens and your bills get more expensive. So, yeah, just need to bear that in mind and do a bit of research first. 
A huge thank you to Danielle, to Grace, and to Emily for coming on the show today, and to you as well for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week, when I'll be bringing you a special episode from our sister podcast, Witch Investigates. For money news and advice, then find us on social media, at Witch Money, and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And don't forget, we also have our free money newsletter as well. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written, produced and edited by me, Rob Lilly, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.